0: Welcome to the official ABA Law Student Podcast, where we talk about issues that affect law students and recent grads. From finals and graduation to the bar exam and finding a job, this show is your trusted resource for the next big step. You're listening to The Legal Talk Network.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, today we have a very special guest. Well, I mean, all of our guests are special, but today an extra special guest. We have Aliza Schatzman. She is actually the president and co-founder of the Legal Accountability Project. It's a nonprofit organization that ensures that law clerks have positive clerkship experiences while extending support and resources to those who do not. So without further ado, please welcome Aliza Schatzman.
2: Thanks for having me on the podcast.
1: Just to get this out of the way, you've had a horrible experience at a clerkship. Would that be good to say? Yes. Okay, yes. Okay, cool. Yes. First of all, let me say I am a 3L. So all of the clerkships and summer associateships that I've done are out of the way. So I can relate. Your story is something that I can relate to. And I would like for you to tell our audience your story.
2: Sure. Thanks for the question. I'm sorry that you can relate, but I know that lots of people who hear me share my story or read it can relate as well. And that's why I think it's so important to share my experience publicly. I often say that my experience, while not rare, is rarely shared publicly. So I went to WashU Law, graduated in 2019 and I aspired to be a homicide prosecutor in the DCUS Attorney's Office. The messaging at WashU Law, like at most law schools, was uniformly positive around clerkships. I was told that I should clerk because I would develop a lifelong mentor-mentee relationship with a judge. I'd get a crash course in trial lawyering and judicial decision-making, that the position would confer only professional benefits. I was told to apply broadly, meaning across the US and across the political spectrum and to accept the first clerkship I was offered. So I did all those things and decided to clerk in DC Superior Court during the 2019 to 2020 term. So I started this clerkship in August of 2019 and pretty much just weeks into it, the judge for whom I clerked began to harass me and discriminate against me because of my gender. He would kick me out of the courtroom and tell me that I made him uncomfortable and that he just felt more comfortable with my male co-clerk. He told me that I was bossy, aggressive, nasty, that I had personality issues. The day I found out that I passed the DC bar, so big day in my life, he called me into his chambers, got in my face and said, you're bossy. And I know bossy because my wife is bossy. And I was just devastated I mean, this was my first legal job. This judge seemed to be singling me out for mistreatment. I remember crying myself to sleep at night, crying in the courthouse bathroom. I wanted to be reassigned to a different judge for the rest of the clerkship. My workplace in the DC courts did not have an employee dispute resolution or EDR plan that might've enabled me to be reassigned. I confided in some attorney mentors who advised me to stick it out, so I tried. We transitioned to remote work during the pandemic. I moved back to Philly in March of 2020 to stay with my parents. And the judge basically ignored me for six weeks before he called me up in late April and told me he was ending my clerkship early because I made him uncomfortable and lacked respect for him, but he didn't want to get into it. And then he hung up on me. So I contacted DC Courts HR and they told me there was nothing they could do. HR doesn't regulate judges. Judges and law clerks have a unique relationship. Then they asked me whether I knew that I was an at-will employee. I reached out to my law school, Tawashi Law, seeking advice and support. Found out the judge had a history of harassing his clerks and that law school officials, including several professors and the clerkship's director, who still works there, knew about this at the time I'd accepted the clerkship, had decided not to share that information with me, I guess because they wanted another Washi Law student to clerk. So it was all pretty devastating. I connected with some other DC judges who directed me to the Judicial Conduct Commission, where I ultimately filed my judicial complaint. But I decided to wait to file my draft because I was worried the judge would retaliate against me. So I tried to find a new job. And it was challenging, it took me a year to get back on my feet. Uh, Employers had questions about why the judge was not listed as a reference and why the clerkship had ended early. Eventually secured my dream job in the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office as a prosecutor, moved back to D.C. in the summer of 2021, hoping to put this behind me. And I was two weeks into training at the D.C. USAO. I'd already started working there when I received some pretty devastating news that altered the course of my life. I was told the judge had made negative statements about me during my background investigation, that I wouldn't be able to obtain a security clearance and that my job offer was being revoked. Then a couple days later, the USAO offered me the opportunity to interview for another job with the office and they revoked that offer too based on the judge's same negative reference. I was two years into my legal career and this judge seemed to have just limitless power to ruin my reputation and destroy my career. So I filed a judicial complaint with the DC Commission on Judicial Disabilities and Tenure, hired attorneys, and in the summer and fall of 2021, participated in the investigation into the now former judge. We were partway through the investigation when I found out the judge was on administrative leave pending an investigation into other misconduct at the time he'd filed the negative reference. USAO was not alerted of that until January, 2022, When pursuant to the terms of our private settlement agreement, separate from anything the judiciary could or would do for a law clerk, the former judge issued a clarifying statement to the USIO addressing some, but not all of his outrageous claims about me. But by then, it had been too long. The damage was done. I am pretty much blackballed from what I thought was my dream job.
1: Well, first of all, I'm so sorry about all of this, but I will say that I hate to say everything happens for a reason, but. Your story and your testimony was able to do more good than I think you realize. So there are so many nuances and levels to this and relatability for me personally. First of all, when I first got out of college, I got what I thought was my dream job. I was a news reporter and it got revoked. So I understand that level of having something and it being snatched away from you. Matter of fact, I can tell you that when it was revoked and spoiler alert, it was because I had too many tickets when I was a sophomore in college. The little spot in between the tub and the toilet is where I was crouched down to cry. So I understand that almost that helplessness of having something that you've worked so hard for be taken away when you thought everything was clear secondly I guess oh, there so many things in my head my first question is were you aware of the dynamic between a judge and a clerk like did you go into it automatically thinking this is going to be really nice a great thing or did you go in with the mindset this will be kind of like devil wears product
2: that's a great question. I went into the position feeling optimistic that it would be a positive experience because that is all the messaging around clerkships at law schools and in the legal community. I did not realize the enormous power that judges have over law clerks' lives, careers, and reputations even many years later. And as I'm speaking with a lot of students now in my work as a nonprofit leader, a lot of them say to me, you know, I just came off a judicial internship and while my experience was great, I can now totally understand everything you're talking about. The enormous power disparities, the isolation, it's a judge and a couple of clerks working long hours behind locked doors and stressful circumstances and issues can arise I wish I had had more information, known more, and made a more thoughtful decision when I was considering my clerkship. And so what I'm trying to do now is increase transparency in the clerkship application process, increase data sharing. So the info gets from the folks who have it, law schools and law clerks, to the folks who need it, law students.
1: Let me ask you this. So at your time that you were at your clerkship, were there only two of you or four of you? How how was it set up?
2: Two clerks and the judge.
1: Two clerks and the judge. And of course, you were the only woman and there was a male. So was it um, before? So you come in on your first date. Is it automatically I hate you (laughs) or is it (laughs) is it like microaggressions in the beginning?
2: You know, that's a good question. Something I don't think about that much. Microaggressions in the beginning, but it escalated quickly.
1: Gotcha. Okay, so here's a hard question. So me and my mom, we always talk about this. Um, I have a strong personality. So she always tells me when people meet me, they'll either love me or they'll hate me just because I have a strong personality. Have you dealt in life before this clerkship? Have you dealt with I have a strong personality? So sometimes I feel like I have to bring myself down or I have to be a little bit nicer or not say the things that I want to say because people will take it the wrong way?
2: That is a great question. Yes, I have a strong personality. I am an assertive woman. I wanted to be a homicide prosecutor. That is an assertive and male-dominated field. So yes, you can kind of see how issues would arise in that context. But I often say that it's important to create larger cultural change in the legal community so that everybody can bring Mm -hmm. their full selves to work every day. Nobody should be mistreated Mm -hmm. based on their personality.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And so I've never had a uh, judicial clerkship in the sense of um, a federal clerkship, like after school. However, I have interned with a judge and I have worked as a summer associate um, at a, a big law firm, a couple of big law firms. I will say I've never felt the level of discontent that you have felt. However, I know that feeling of helplessness and almost you almost feel like there's nothing you can do because judges, they reign over their courtroom and like, who are you going to go to? Who are you going to tell? They are the HR. They are the judge and jury when it comes to their work environment. And I truly believe like there is no blueprint and what you are doing, you have almost set a blueprint or a precedent. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we're going to find out what Aliza is doing in order to help the next generation of clerks that are coming in. We'll be right back.
0: Delegate out those tasks that
1: take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, Hiring and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S T A F I.cc and get $500 off with code HAPPY24.
0: This episode is brought to you by the American Bar Association's Law Student Division. It's never too early to start exploring potential practice
2: areas and building your network in the field. The Law Student Division provides students like you with
0: resources and experiences aimed at helping them succeed in law school and prepare for what's next. Claim your full law student membership for just $25 by visiting ambar.org slash join.
1: Welcome back with my conversation with Aliza Shatzman. So tell us about the work that you're doing to try to bring awareness to this.
2: Absolutely. So there are numerous things I'm doing in this space, and I definitely wanted to jump off what you said about the feeling of helplessness. I mean, a judge's chambers, they perceive it to be their own little fiefdom and other judges, even to the extent they hear about workplace issues or judges mistreating their clerks kind of say, not my chambers, not my business. That's not to point the finger at all judges, but it is to say that there really are no workplace protections in the judiciary. There is no place for a law clerk to go to speak up about mistreatment, to seek assistance. Law clerks are exempt from Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, meaning that folks like me cannot sue our harassers and seek damages for harms done to our lives. EDR and other internal workplace Processes are run by other judges, leading law clerks to reasonably believe they're neither impartial nor confidential. So that's the situation right now. And my first public statement was written testimony before the House Judiciary's Court Subcommittee to advocate for the Judiciary Accountability Act, which is legislation that would extend Title VII protections to law clerks and federal public defenders, finally, enabling folks like me to sue our harassers and seek damages. In the weeks following my written testimony, I began to toss around some ideas for further advocacy work, which ultimately led me to launch the Legal Accountability Project in June to address various issues that I saw and personally experienced in the clerkship application process through my law school and larger issues related to a lack of accountability and unsafe work environments in our judiciary. The Legal Accountability Project basically seeks to ensure that law clerks have a positive clerkship experience and then extend support and resources to the ones who don't. I speak with a lot of law students and I say, so you want to clerk? Great. How would you avoid judges who harass their clerks? Some students say, I'd ask someone. But who are you going to ask? Some clerkship directors and deans tell me, we tell students to quote, do their research. What research are you going to do when so little information about judges is available to students on an equitable basis? Handful of law schools do a post clerkship survey of their alumni. They understand that these do not capture the scope of the problem. They ask the wrong questions. Students and alums often characterize the questions as, you had a positive clerkship experience, right? They understand that law clerks who face mistreatment are notoriously unwilling to report that back to their law schools. Think of your clerkship director and deans. Lovely people, probably. Yeah. (laughs) Not necessarily the first folks you're going to go to when you are harassed by a life-tenured federal judge. So the Legal Accountability Project is working on two major initiatives in collaboration with law schools beginning this year. The first one is a centralized clerkships reporting database, which will democratize information about judges, so students have as much info about as many judges as possible before they make what is clearly a really important decision about their careers. We will have law clerk alumni from the participating institutions the past 10 to 20 years worth creating an account with us and writing a report about their judge and their clerkship. Good, bad, medium, we want to hear everything.
1: So basically, uh- Rate my professor, but like rate my clerkship.
2: Sort of. Some similarities. People, people make that comparison, sort of. <laughs> and yeah, we ask a wide variety of questions you'd want to know about your boss and your job, questions and information that if you pursued other private or public sector employment, you would get to know. But right now, you just don't. Mistreatment is certainly something we seek to finally capture in a way law schools have not in the past, but it's also how does the judge provide feedback? Do I get writing and courtroom experience? Can I take vacation? All kinds of stuff you might want to know, stuff that troublingly is not accessible to most law students right now. Law clerk alumni report into the database and in exchange Law school, well, it's a subscription model, so law schools pay us $5 per student per year based on their total JD enrollment. That is a small sum to protect all of their students and alumni against mistreatment. And then law students at the participating schools can read all the reports. But so importantly, and one reason why this is better than anything that exists right now, they do not just get to read their law school alumni's reports. They read the reports of all the alums from all the schools participating in the database. This is the best way to centralize and democratize information to finally bring transparency to an overly secretive process. That's the clerkship's database. And I'm interfacing right now with about 70 law schools worth of deans and clerkship directors. So if you are a law student or an attorney listening to this, and you believe this would be valuable to you or to alums from your law school, reach out to your administration and urge them to participate. We're also doing a workplace assessment of the federal and state judiciaries. It's a climate survey that will finally answer the question, how pervasive is harassment in the judiciary? We ask a subset of questions, which I think are particularly important, and they elucidate law clerks concerns about reporting formally to the judiciary and informally back to their law schools. Unfortunately, some law schools tell me things like, we're blessed to only work with good judges. All our alums have a positive clerkship experience. (laughs) (laughs) You're laughing, that is nonsense. But unfortunately, law clerks have been historically unwilling to report a negative experience back to their law schools, allowing law schools to really disclaim responsibility for these problems. I really think, Law schools have received a free pass in the conversation about judicial accountability. They should be the first to step forward to make changes to protect the next generation of folks. And the third aspect of what we're doing is programming. I visited 24 law schools this fall. We're visiting more in the spring. I share my experience, talk about the scope of the problem, talk about solutions, including our resources, which I really believe will transform the clerkship application process and the legal profession for the next generation of attorneys.
1: And I I definitely get that. Um, So I know me personally, I use the word clerkship loosely. Um, And most of my, I'm scared to say horrible, most of my horrible experience came from a summer associate stint at a firm. Is this program exclusively for judicial clerkships or is it all encompassing to internships, clerkships, summer, summer associateships, all of that?
2: So, this is focused on judicial clerkships as well as judicial internships and externships. Okay. So, this year we're going to have law clerk alumni, so postgrad clerkships, those folks will report into the database. Students considering either a postgrad clerkship or a summer or semester judicial internship and externship can read all the reports. Gotcha. We've already received requests about expanding this to other aspects of the legal profession or to other industries like business and medicine. So we field and consider those requests. It really just shows the pervasiveness of these issues. And I get a lot of questions, how pervasive is harassment in the judiciary? Unfortunately, there is a real dearth of data in this space that enables the judiciary leadership to disclaim responsibility for these problems. You can see a theme here, folks disclaiming responsibility.
1: So I know for me personally, um, when I worked for a judge, As I'm listening to your story, it's not to the level of what your experience was. How do you intercept or make sure that people who had uncomfortable times or a hard judge or a strict judge are not conflating the issue of being harassed?
2: Great question. In both the database, in the database questions, we define mistreatment in various ways throughout the database. Harassment, gender-based mistreatment, sexual harassment, bullying, retaliation. So we make it clear what those things mean. But the other issues you described are still important while not legally actionable. Being a tough judge is something law students considering a clerkship should know about. Mm -hmm. The way judges provide feedback is something law students should be aware of. Mm -hmm. This information is also not shared from the folks who have it, law clerks, law schools, to the folks who need it, law students. Law students considering a clerkship are going into these eyes wide shut almost uniformly. And I hear over and over, I just had to hope that my judge was going to be a nice guy. That is outrageous. That is not how we should treat the legal profession. That is not how we should continue to treat clerkships.
1: Yeah. And I believe that you do kind of go in blind. You're you're not really knowledgeable. It's kind of like one of those things of you hear law school is hard. You hear some professors are harder and they use the Socratic method like to they weaponize it. But how do you gauge this is them being a tough judge or professor or they are harassing me? And it's a it's a thin line, but you really have to, I guess, look within because you really wouldn't know unless you can at least gauge some other experiences and see what other people are saying.
2: Right. So I think a couple things. First of all, law students really need to hear it from the mouths or the pens and keyboards Of the former clerks. They do not need law school professors, deans, and administrators to be filtering the information about these positive or negative clerkship experiences. Law students see the info when they need it. Whether it is the first day of 1L fall or two years post-grad when they are thinking about transitioning careers, they do not need the law schools to be the gatekeepers of this information.
1: And sometimes I feel like your school, your deans, your professors, they would rather you be silent because you having this clerkship looks good at the school. So it's kind of like one of those things where they might want to say, like, just grin and bear it so you can, you know, through it.
2: I remain really concerned because, yes, I hear that over and over again. And what I You know, I am working productively with most law schools, deans, clerkship directors and professors, and I've been cautioned not to point the finger broadly at all law schools. I've been cautioned that some clerkship directors take my criticism personally, and I really don't mean for them to. But the thing is, I hear over and over, reporting is a personal choice, and most people just want to keep their heads down and move on. I take real issue with that. I think it is not only untrue, because I see the toll that staying silent has on these mistreated former clerks. And I know because they reach out to me every day, they are looking for somewhere to report, somewhere to share. They wanna protect the next generation of folks. We have created, and some of us are perpetuating, a culture of silence and fear in the legal community, one of deifying judges, disbelieving law clerks, telling them not to come forward. That is not worth it. You will not be believed. That is wrong. And when I share my experience, I also talk about the many female attorneys who told me, and some continue to tell me, the right professional decision would have been not to report, that speaking publicly would tarnish my reputation. That is the larger uphill battle we are trying to fight on these issues but I have news for everybody who is telling people to stay silent. For law clerks who do not report the mistreatment, the judges who harass you will harass other clerks and you are perpetuating a culture of abuse by remaining silent. That is, I imagine hard for some people to hear, but it was quite hard for me to hear after my negative experience that the judge who harassed me had harassed other clerks and that my law school knew. And we really need to change the culture. Students and alumni, law clerks cannot wait another year for changes to be made.
1: Yeah. And it's almost like we are scared to report by fear of trying to protect them. But if, if she was on the other foot, they would not have any qualms about letting people know how we were. Um, we're going to take a break on that and we'll be back with Aliza Shatzman. Okay, so Aliza, I want to give a little hypothetical for you. Okay.
2: Okay, I'm back so, in law school now. Put my <laughs> law school hat on.
1: <laughs> right. So I am a law student who has gotten a a clerkship and I've accepted it I've done my first week and just by happenstance myself and and you are at the airport and we just see each other and we're sitting and we're talking and I just tell you well I'm in law school and I'm actually I've actually accepted a clerkship I actually started uh last week it's been a horrible week for me um my judges. Mean, rude, um, I'm just having a horrible time. Just off happenstance, I tell you about this. I don't know anything about you or anything like that. And if I find out that you are the Aliza Schatzman, what do I do? What steps can I take?
2: Couple things. So it really depends whether you are a state or a federal clerk as to what protections you have within your courthouse. If you are a federal clerk, Your first option is Employee Dispute Resolution or EDR. That's the internal complaint process whereby a law clerk can seek reassignment to get away from the judge who's harassing them. If you are a state court clerk, you would go to HR, which would probably run a similar process. You'd file an EDR complaint. You'd probably need to hire an attorney, which sounds scary, especially because you have just started your clerkship. And this is going to overshadow the majority of your time in the clerkship. You can reach out to the Legal Accountability Project, and I often make referrals for attorneys connecting mistreated law clerks with employment attorneys who can help. File a complaint, find allies, confide in other clerks or interns in your courthouse, keep track of who you've confided in, take notes, forward yourself emails, keep things documented. That is certainly not the first thing people think to do when they are mistreated is to document everything, but it's so important. And if there's another judge in your courthouse who you can confide in, you should do that too because they will be an ally. But it is absolutely about standing up for yourself and getting away from the dangerous work environment that you are in. Nobody should grin and bear it, should think that they're gonna put their head down and just endure it. And I would caution anyone who gives that advice who says that a clerkship is just a year of your life. My story is excellent evidence that it's a year of your life that in the worst circumstances could really change your life.
1: I truly agree with all of this happening. You've been through this experience. Do you believe that you will go back into the criminal prosecution sector?
2: I don't see myself practicing law anytime soon. I'm going to be leading the legal accountability project and seeing where that takes me. And I think the organization is going to grow a lot and I'll see where it takes me. You know, I consider myself to be law adjacent at this point. I obviously interact every day with attorneys. I don't know if I'll ever practice law again. I'm pretty far from the experiences that led me to law school, the experiences I had throughout law school And now it's really just about ensuring that what happened to me doesn't happen to anybody else.
1: Got you. Well, I want to thank you for your time today. I will say that you have given me a lot to think about. I don't think I dealt with harassment. I think I was just uncomfortable and it was just not the right place for me. However, if you feel that someone is actively harassing you at your clerkship, um, you have the legal accountability project to look out for, as well as they have amazing resources in order to help you through that. I want to thank you so much today for sharing with us. Um, Where can people follow you or get your information or connect with you?
2: They can visit our website, which is legalaccountabilityproject.org to donate to us, join our mailing list, get more info. I'm aliza.schatzman at legalaccountabilityproject.org. And they can also find me on LinkedIn and Twitter. I post about these topics a lot. And I would also say, if you are listening to this and you believe these resources would be valuable, reach out to your law school and urge them to partner with the Legal Accountability Project. Deans and clerkship directors need to hear from you right now. This is the best way to protect the next generation of young attorneys from harassment.
1: Well, thank you so much, Aliza. And thank you so much for listening.
0: If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. Remember... U.S. law students at ABA accredited schools can join the ABA for free. Join now at AmericanBar.org/ forward slash law student. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network,